Hello, and welcome to The Bomb Squad. I'm your host, writer-director Andrew Hada. I'm here with my co-host, Joshua Whitney Epp. And uh, this is our summer of guests. And for our first guest, we have a very special surprise. Josh, who is our first guest? Uh, you, I guess. It's me! <laughs> I'm the guest! <laughs> what a waste of time we have. Um, yeah, so we just, I mean, we didn't just find this out. We've known this. But we're on our way to releasing our films on August 10th, which will be the Wednesday that this comes out. So we just wanted to kind of talk about our films um, and, you know, get people excited. All of our fans that love our films so much that have clearly seen them already. But now's your second chance. And not only that, it's your second chance to own them. Um, so, yeah, Josh, this is a little bit different than normally i'm I'm wondering if we should play just the whole trailer but then what are we going to do for the podcast version uh josh which one do you want to talk about first let's talk about the last ones the last ones which people have described as very scary menu and movie okay (laughs) my thoughts exactly yeah uh josh why don't you tell us a little bit about the plot of the last ones and if you're watching this on youtube you're going to see this. Um, you're just going to see the trailer right now. So enjoy that. But Josh, tell us what the plot is. Um, oh, just like a joke. Well, okay. It's two guys and the world has ended and they're living alone and things are stalking them? Question mark? Yeah. It's a zombie film. Uh, some people have said, I gave it five stars. I'm surprised this movie hasn't been told before or actually happened in reality. Give it a chance. It's not what you would expect. That's right. That's right. Uh, Are you trying to look up the name of the random YouTube commenter who said that? <laughs> that's, on the... that's right. Other guy who said that he was like, there was one guy who was like, if I was stuck on a desert island and I had to pick a movie, I would throw this movie in the ocean. And it's like, well, yeah, well, you're stuck <laughs> on an island and I'm making Can't... movies, son. Can't even watch it. No electricity. Yeah. I mean, what are you going to do? What are you going to do with it, buddy? You better eat it. Uh, um, okay. So let's talk about <laughs> the last one. Okay. So did, but are we not spoiling it because you want people to watch it with Listen, fresh there's eyes? there's a big twist in the last one. So I feel like we're not really going to We won't get it. too and into it. Again, yeah. this is a lot different because normally we talk about the film, but this whole, time we're going to yeah. kind of talk more about the premise. And about uh, the production and stuff, because we're there. We're, we're giving you first-hand knowledge. Um, so, yeah. So, the last ones, we I had this idea, like, in 20, 20, like, 06, 2006 or something. And, you know, it took us a few years to get it going. And it was like, you, like, I had the ending idea. And I'll tell you right now that what I originally thought of for the ending and what, um, well, I originally went off of uh, Guillermo del Toro's premise of like, you're the last person in the, you're the last person alive on the, in the world. And suddenly there's a knock at the door, which is what like he thought was the scariest premise. So I was like, oh, what if I did that and turned it into a movie? And I will say that in the evolution of this film, the ending is now completely different from when we originally had it. Although we did film it, if Josh remembers. Uh, Joshua was our producer on this one. Um, 
And yeah, like Josh, what got you interested in wanting to produce this, <laughs> this feature film um, uh, by an amazing young talent that the world I mean, has it's, yet it to It seemed appreciate. like a good idea, and it also seemed... It, well, okay, what's interesting about it, and this is actually like if if I'll give like a non-spoiler like review of it down the line, is that at the time when it was being conceptualized, zombies weren't like, it was clearly a thing. I mean, it's always like a thing in horror, like a through current, but it hadn't fucking exploded like with the walking dead where it was just everywhere to the point that like people are like, all right, please stop. Um, And so it was almost like, it was like a smart take on an idea that I didn't know was about to like completely like oversaturate. I don't know. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, Cause this was in the weird time. Like, I mean, obviously Romero had already come out, but this is right, right. Right. And like Zack Snyder's Dawn of the Dead had come out and it was good, but it wasn't this, it wasn't like 20 zombie movies a year starring a list actors were just a thing. And like, four walking dead shows yeah it was like a zombie like every time you found out though like i remember when i found out that shawn of the dead was coming out with Edgar right i was like oh my god a new zombie movie like finally like it, it wasn't like every day so we were in this like weird limbo where uh so you're like oh let me like do like this kind of like interesting like twist on it yeah and I was like, and okay one, that is interesting you know one of the things that i wanted to do was i kind of wanted to bring the film back to its origins as far as i'm concerned where like if you watch night of the living dead day of the dead um land of the dead <laughs> if you watch those classics um hey john is almost legit in that movie you uh like the whole thing is more about like the paranoia of your neighbor being your worst enemy or being the monster and it's like the distrust and the paranoia and the you know the survival instincts from people who don't know how to survive and i kind of wanted to bring that all up i also wanted to bring up like if the world ended like right now i would not know what to do (laughs) and like most people wouldn't because it's like there's always that guy who's like ving rames in the dawn of the dead remake who like oh i know what to do like lock this down like stuff but i wanted to be like oh yeah if it's just two random guys they don't know what the hell they're doing. Like they, maybe they know how to plant food, but maybe they're terrible at it, you know? And so I really wanted to add that. And I really want to play on the paranoia of if you're like, if you picked a random person to spend the rest of your life with, and there's nobody else you can see and you like, you don't even get to pick. It's just the first person who shows up. What do you like? What are the chances that you're going to a get along and b not want to kill each other? And so I really wanted to play with that idea. And that's kind of what, um, what like where we came from. And that's the real premise that I want to deal with. Like these guys who don't really know what to do, who don't, uh, who are kind of running low on supplies. It's like six months into the apocalypse. So it's like at the point where they're running out of food, electricity is going out. And so they're about to have to answer some hard questions. And we really wanted to play with that idea. No, okay. What I mean, I watched it again today for the first time in probably five to eight years. You know, like it's it's been a long time, and it's obviously it's rough around the edges. But it's also one of those things where I don't know how rough it is because I'm seeing it as someone who was there the entire time. So maybe something where I'm like, oh, this is rough as hell won't look as rough but i still think people will be like okay this is like a little bit you know 
Yeah, I think like, and that's the thing, because I've seen people watch this movie and I know like when I, I mean, there's that thing I was talking to a friend who's also a director and we're talking about how like you never really watch your movies back again because I know this movie inside and out, like not just like the story, but the editing, but the sound, you know, everything. And so I know all the problems with it. And so, and I know all the pluses with it. And so like, but you tend to focus on the problems. So I don't really ever need to watch it again. Like if you explain to me a scene, I'm like, yeah, I, I know every, I know every line of dialogue. I've lived with this movie. Well, I've also like, I've, I've seen, I mean, and you've seen, years. you've seen yeah. more versions, but I've seen like five versions of this. So I was like, oh wait, wasn't there a scene where like they shoot this guy? And I was like, oh, I think you just cut that entire sequence for good, like the, the movie definitely like is is the best it's ever been. <laughs> you know? So everything you cut was the right choice. Yeah, um, I think like when you're with a movie for so long, you get to um, you get to like really play with it. And we had this movie, and it we went through festivals. It got some awards. It did pretty good, but it didn't get sold right away. And so I think just our amateurness and just us not really knowing what the next step was. They'd always tell you about the Kevin Smiths. They never tell you about the Andrew Hadas. Um, <laughs> they, uh, so we like didn't know what to do with it. And we just had this film and I had it for years. And I was like, well, eventually I was like, well, let me see if I can get it sold or published or something or distributed or something. And like, that's when it started going off the ground. But in that time, like we were really able to like, get it to the best it could be it's one of the reasons like the film is in black and white i think it's the first zombie movie that's ever been in black and white and uh (laughs) the one of the reasons we did that is because i feel like this film i always like to refer to it as a zombie drama and so we um we if when it was in color i feel like people weren't really expecting the kind of somber you know tense yeah, they're like, where's that it the, the headshot? Yeah, they, they like, yeah, yeah, yeah. especially when we were playing like Fright Night Film Festival, people were like, what the hell is this? So we really <laughs> yeah. wanted to like get people into the mindset of like, hey, this is a little bit more somber and a little bit more realistic. And uh, and so like black putting it in black and white was like one of the best decisions we made. But yeah, I mean, originally, if we had sold it right away, it probably wouldn't have been in black and white. It would have been in color. We also shot it on a red one, if anyone knows what that is. It's a very expensive camera. And also, it overheated every single day. Um, if anyone, <laughs> I mean, if anyone's did, thinking we, of it. We did live in a desert, so... It was the middle of July, and also, yeah, <laughs> that, was, that was just one of the challenges. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah. I, think, uh, I think that's one of the things is, like, when you with it so long, you're just... Uh, you just you really get to find out what what but, makes it tick. So. You know what's interesting about it is because, and this is kind of one of those things where you can only see it looking back. And this was my like, oh man, this is actually weirdly like smart and relevant of like. Well, it's it, it's like I always say, like from the outside looking in, you can never uh, understand it, and from the inside looking out, you could never explain it. That's how I explain. But, that's how you famously describe last one. Yeah. I think I'm the only person who's ever used that line. <laughs> okay, but go ahead. No, okay. Um, so it's like you know you watch it, and there's this like sense where it's like obviously it's like this minimalist kind of drama take on like a horror movie, and you can kind of look at it and be like, okay, they did that because they had no money, which is true. But at the same time, what's interesting is that 
you were writing it um was like a college student right and yeah we were in college and the whole crew was just like like college kids and a lot of it is like you, you describe the movie as like okay these two guys who don't know what they're doing you know just trying to survive um and uh you know kind of like get through that but it, it's almost like this interesting like they're they're like pretending to be smarter than they are based on what they think they would do in that situation you know what i mean like there's a lot of stuff where you don't really think about it and if you like you're like okay i don't know if this works where like john has like an injury the two characters are john and michael and they keep wrapping it but it's like how much is that really helping and how much is that you just thinking you know what you're doing like you know like applying like a like a medical decision to it and, it, and it's kind of this interesting like okay these are like these are like kids trying to pretend they're like survivors when they're clearly not. And that's kind of like it's played into later when they meet a real survivor who has kind of been on the road and stuff. So it's like, Oh, they have no idea what the fuck they're doing. Like they're just, yeah. We, and I would, one of the things I did was I would, uh, I was kind of obsessed with like learning about like what you would do in an apocalypse and like, at what point would the electricity turn off? And at what point would the food go bad? And, Stuff like that. And so a lot of times I would look it up and then I would do the opposite of what <laughs> right. a survivor would do. Like just to be like, oh yeah, these guys are dumbasses. And it's like, like there's a scene where Michael wants to cook or plant vegetables and John is like, Why? Why are, why do you want to do this? It's like because we're gonna die, you dumb moron. <laughs> yeah, and there's they never outright say it. Well, I guess they actually do like they they mention it near the end of the movie. But they've essentially just been living on like scavenge stuff and it's running out and they don't really know how to plant crops. And at one point it's like, well, what if we bring cows? And it's like, and then what? What the fuck are you talking about? And it's like, yeah, like how? <laughs> yeah. They, and they're like, how drink, are we going to do that? Drinking yeah. like expired beers because it's like, what else are you going to do? And they even kind of have like a lot of like chats with each other about like, oh, here's how I want to die and stuff. And it has this like very like, oh yeah, like I'm this like deep like survivor where it's like, no, you're just this like dumbass kid caught up in this. I don't know. It was interesting. Like, like in that way, um, like, you know how um, Spielberg, right? Steven Spielberg. Are you familiar with him? Uh, no, I don't. I'm not. He's, he's a director. Is he the uh, guy who made ready player? Two? <laughs> <laughs> but okay. Like, you know how in uh, close encounters of the third kind um at the end the dad goes with them like the aliens on the spaceship and it's like at the time spielberg's like oh that's the most like heroic cool thing you do but it, like later he's like well looking back that's an example of how selfish i was <laughs> as like as like uh you know when i was that age like i would totally ditch my wife and kid to like go live with aliens or whatever it almost has like the the whole film has this feeling of like, oh, this is how, like we're we're a bunch of like college kids making a movie, and this is exactly how every one of the people making this movie would act and think they're doing the right thing, like in the movie. You know what I mean? It's like an interesting like criticism of like how shitty we are. Yeah, and I think like that's an important distinction to make, not just about this film, but about all films, is that um. Uh, we, I think like there's that idea that Steven Spielberg's like, oh, if I made Close Encounters um, of the Third Kind today, 
Richard Dreyfus wouldn't have gone off with with the aliens. Like he wouldn't right. have abandoned his farm. And I think like that's an important thing about any artist is like you kind of have to take their um, their art at the fact that they did it at a very specific time. I mean, look at Eminem. He's kind of evolved as like he used to be like a shock rapper, and now he's kind of rapping about. He's gotten more political. I mean, he's always kind of political, but now he's like blatantly talking about political politics, you know. Or if you look at, uh, if you look at, God, who who else is an artist? If you look at like uh, Guillermo del Toro, just like his bigger budgets, it's like added more uh, limitations and and openings for his stories. And so I think as yeah. any artist, you're just gonna always see it from that point of view, from where who you are at the time. And at the time, I was like a college kid with, uh, you know, like just a normal college kid. And so it was very much in that aspect. Yeah, it's like capturing that. Like you couldn't make the exact same movie today because you don't have that mindset today. And you almost have to like, like obviously in the movie, they are kind of full of shit and they don't really know what they're doing and they keep making mistakes. But you almost have to believe in their bullshit to like make that movie. You know what I mean? Like, Like you have to believe earnestly in what they're doing the same way they do to make that movie. And that's me. I was like, Oh, it's so interesting that like this has like the feeling of like a 20 year old who doesn't know what the fuck they're doing, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I think like, yeah, it's very, and the, the movie is kind of a lo- about like the things that we hold on to it, You know, it's especially relevant right now. We're in the middle of a pandemic. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. We're all trapped is, in our houses. Yeah. Yeah. And like <laughs> these guys are literally trapped in their houses. Um and so they yeah, and, he's, uh, and he's like kind of like like he's live because he's living in his family's house from before, you know, the virus and everything. And he's kind of just ritualistically doing the same things from before, even though it's kind of like, what's the point, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And I even, there was another deleted scene. This one we didn't film uh, where I had him, I had the character like print out and this is to show you how long ago this was written, but he he printed out his MySpace profile and he would just (laughs) religiously check it and like check the comments. And the reason, one of the reasons I took it out is because when we were shooting, it was when Facebook was starting to come up. And it was like, even then I was like, okay, these social media things aren't going to last that long. Um, hopefully they won't bring about the end of times. Um, I was very prolific. But, I know, uh, yeah. But like, so it is a lot about like when the world shuts down, it's not like the, you know, the big things that you miss. It's not the fucking... Uh, the Super Bowl or anything. It's being able to go to the movies. It's being able to go to a restaurant. And if anyone knows about that, it's the entire world right now, unless you're <laughs> an anti-vaxxer who has not stopped. Um, so, yeah, I really wanted to play with the, that idea. Then and, you are the virus. You're, yeah. You're the one spreading it, yeah. And in John, we really see that. Like, with Michael and with Karina, they've kind of adapted to this new world. But I really wanted the main character to be kind of holding on and that's his story arc is that he's he has to figure out a way to live in this new world and um and so i really wanted to play with that and so i think you know i think it it came out pretty well um it's also definitely an emotional um sexual psychosexual angle to it too that's pretty interesting but i don't want to spoil it but i uh oh yeah so it stars mars Mark Osiguera, who is uh, LGBTQ, 
And uh, it's and he plays John. He was his first acting role. We've actually worked on other things that we'll talk about in a second. <laughs> um, and uh, we also it also stars Algernon de Amasa as Michael, who's like the older protector. And it also stars uh, Marcel Bowman as Karina, who's the, the other survivor who comes in, who we haven't really talked about just because she's more of a spoiler than anything else. Like she comes in about 30 minutes and she kind of takes the film and goes Upsets with it. The yeah. yeah. I think with Mark, like, uh, cause I knew Mark from school and he, we had worked together on like all our productions just by being friends, you know, where it's like, Oh yeah, let me help you with this. Yeah. Help me with that. And uh, he has this kind of, not innocence, but he has this kind of like, you want to root for him. You want to kind of hold him <laughs> and take care of him. And you needed that in John because again, it's very easy for John to become annoying with the fact that he's like clinging to the past. He's kind of and helpless. He has like an injury. He's kind of helpless. Yeah. He, his arm is hurt and it constantly gets, um, needs bandages. He is, uh, he's scared of the dark or he doesn't really leave the house. And so you really wanted that. You have to like him right away or else you're just not going to like the film. And Mark brought that to the table. And I think um, I think that it worked out well, especially with him being kind of uh, being like so new. It, it, it helped him like kind of tap into that role. And I think he did a great job. And then you have uh, Algernon de Amasa, who plays Michael, who's like the complete opposite, uh, where he's like this strong protector. And speaking of that, Algernon is also the complete opposite, and he's like a Buddhist. Oh, yeah. He's like the most, yeah, pacifist. <laughs> he's, he's gone yeah. on to be a reporter, but yeah, it's <laughs> funny to like to think like he would come on set and he would, he was like reading a book of philosophy and a book of poems, and he would tell us about like, uh, like living spiritually and how he was like going to Rome to like practice Hamlet. And then like his characters like shooting zombies. <laughs> Remember one day we ordered uh we ordered pizzas and you know he's like a vegetarian for for the most part, um but he was like eating it anyway. It was like a pepperoni pizza. He's like, the flesh has already been surrendered, so at this point there's nothing I can do but like honor <laughs> it. And I'm like, all right, <laughs> like bro, we we only have thirty minutes for lunch. We have time for this nonsense. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it was uh, it was a very long and uh, difficult production. Well, I think it's that thing where when you're doing independent film... For the first time, especially, like, learning what not to do. Yeah, yeah, and, like, practicing on short films, I mean, obviously you have to start somewhere, but it is does not prepare you to make a feature. It was, I think it was 24 days, and it was a lot of nights. <laughs> so we're just, like, uh, you're just exhausted, and you're working with a crew, and, you know, we're all amateurs, and so you just kind of have to come together... Um, yeah and so it's yeah it's definitely it was definitely tough i think like it definitely like put a strain on a lot of things and but you know i think it came every time i've directed i learned more so on last ones than anyone else what not to do and i've kind of stuck with that but i think that if i hadn't done last ones you you wouldn't have known and i think like one of the good things that i had it to to be my like film school because my film school is very production based but not above the line more below the line and so i needed to learn how to like work with actors and how to deal with you know with so many different departments and marketing and all that and i think like 
the last ones was a perfect one because it's a zombie movie. Everyone kind of wants to see a zombie movie. And so I think it works really well. Uh, before we... You forgot to mention the uh, the fourth star of the movie, my grandmother, Carol Aspinwall. Yeah, who uh... we replaced in the edit in the sound booth. Well, yeah, you had to change up her, her voice because she was out of state at the time, but that's her face. Um, I also, yeah. like, I, I feel, because it's the very beginning of the movie, she's a teacher of, like, little kids. Um, I see more menacing this time, maybe because it's in black and white. It almost seemed like she's going to go mercy kill those kids, but maybe that's not what happens. But I mean, that wasn't, I think it's more... Maybe I just yeah. I'm so cynical because of COVID now. That that's well, and it's like the way the it comes across. Yeah. The beginning of the film is so um, like we. I really wanted to play with the idea of like, yeah, people are selfish in a pandemic, or once things start to go to hell, and so uh, yeah, you wouldn't like at the very beginning. There's a scene where a teacher does something a little bit unforgivable but now you look at it and you're like yeah i could i understand why he did it and i you know i really wanted every action to feel like that even if you didn't agree with the direction that someone was doing you understood um the you understood why they did it it's funny too um at the beginning of the movie they they hide in the shed in a way where and this is kind of going back to like, oh, they're plague acting of what they think you should do during an apocalypse. It's like, there's no reason for them to hide in the shed <laughs> because, you know, it's like the family is dead in there. So the virus would be there. It doesn't matter, but it is funny. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, they're just, yeah. they screw up at every level in a way you don't really appreciate because the movie never like explicitly tells you like, look at what fuck ups they are. But if you're watching it, you're like, oh Jesus, they don't know what they're doing. Like, you know. Yeah, yeah, it is this weird, uh, this weird kind of like how how are how do they get everything wrong? <laughs> yeah, but like, but they have enough supplies they can keep screwing up and not realize it like for quite a while, you know. Yeah, it's um, cool. I was gonna say also that we uh, we had oh yeah, I just wanted to talk a little bit about Marcel Bowman. Her character is kind of a spoiler in that. She kind of turns everything on its head. I think she did a good job. I mean, she was like, I think the most experienced. Well, her and Algernon were pretty experienced. And again, I think that helped surrounding Mark with experienced actors. Um, But I also think that she was able to come in because she was filming another movie at that same time. And so it was like, you know, you had to schedule around things. But, you know, you want someone who's just going to be able to come in and do the role. And she has like the role of Karina is kind of packed with like you have she has to do a lot of stuff where again she has to be a survivor and she has to be vulnerable in a way that the other two are not where she's the one who has the biggest idea of what's going on in the world at this point and she's the most knowledgeable one and so um she had a lot to do and i think she was able to knock it out of the park i get the most comments about well michael and karina are the ones that people are like who was that um, and I think it's because they had a lot more flashy roles than Mark. My lead characters are always not as flashy as the other like characters. Down, kind of down note. Yeah, but it, it works if they play but off I, someone big. I think yeah. they always kind of have to be, yeah. Especially like with this, um, with this kind of film. But yeah, I think that the film, it also has a huge twist, other than Karina, in the middle that uh, 
I didn't want it to be an ending M. Night Shyamalan twist. I wanted it to be a twist in the middle and then have the characters have to react to said twist. Uh, I won't give it away, but look out for that because I feel like it's going to knock your socks off. It's going to knock your block off. Um, You should say the music is also quite good. The the score. Yeah, the music was by Jordan Schranz. And he just like, the funny thing is, is that he just gave me like a million pieces of. uh, Like random um, ambient musical. Yeah, like, and I like, I literally had to compose the music (laughs) and put it together so that it would make like it would have sounds and like sound like a song. it's good and that final song like um we originally had a licensed song that i think we eventually had to drop over a dispute but the song that's there now is i was like oh this is nice this is cool yeah the song that's there now is by someone else i think it's by pablo <laughs> medina pablo medina plays yes, a, a cool guy. zombie we called him the zombie king no he's not the zombie king he's a no he's just, just a pablo the, zombie just to stay zombie yeah no, he's, he's, he's credited as Pablo Zombie. But we'll talk about him a little bit more. Also, the Zombie King is played by Robert Rodriguez, not that one. And we'll talk about him more, too, as we, we should, finally discuss... We should call our, out Zack Snyder for stealing your Zombie King idea 10 years later in Army of the Dead. Yeah, Dem. oh my god, I do have a zombie that <laughs> that coordinates the other zombies, Zack Snyder. the others somehow, yeah. That's a little weird. Let me look at these <laughs> comments again. Oh, what does this say? That sounds like a great idea by Z Snyder. You think that's him? Same Let initial. me turn this. This one says, <laughs> hey, should I add a Martian Manhunter? I could have stopped him. Um, <laughs> if only you looked at your YouTube comments more often. Well, yeah, you looked at the YouTube comments of the guy who illegally <laughs> stole my phone. Uh, but yeah, so let's talk Borderland, which is my other film. So here's the thing. We made last ones in like 2008 or some shit. And then we we thought of the idea of, uh, of The Empty Space, which is our movie that's in festivals now. And so in between, when we were saving money for The Empty Space and trying to figure out what to do, I was like, Oh my god, it's been literal years since I've directed anything. Let's direct something. And so we came up with Borderland. And I'll tell you what the original idea was. The original idea of Borderland was a it was about a a woman who's been abused by her husband or boyfriend at the time, I think, in that version. And they're at a bar, and then like some guy comes in and stops the boyfriend from abusing her. And at first she thinks like, oh, this guy saved me. And then as the movie goes on, you find out that he's things aren't as things aren't quite as clear as they seem. And this I guy forgot might forgot about that. Yeah, he was like person. a a psycho, like Yeah, he was like a legit psycho. And also and kind of a jigsaw type. Yeah, it was like and here's the problem is that I started writing it and it was like a group of people who are in the bar with him and like they're trying to figure out a way out and he's like torturing them and like I literally remember because there's like a scene where he has a woman's husband and he's like nailing his hands into a uh, into a chair. And I was like writing this and I was like, wait, I don't like this. (laughs) I don't want to watch this. I don't want to direct it. And I don't know why this is the way the story's going. And so like I was like a little bit lost. Like, what am I going to do with this with this movie I have? You know, we wanted to do something. And so, like, I decided to finish the script and keep pressing on. 
And by keep pressing on, I started looking for because like it all takes place in a bar or did. And so I was like driving around El Paso, Texas, looking for a good location, like a good bar we could use. And then also like the idea that I was going to be able to rent out a bar at night, like, oh, good things bars aren't busy at night. <laughs> um, and so I was just driving around and I was like, you know what? This should be the movie. Because like a big thing about El Paso is people just drive around. <laughs> Who said there's nothing to do? We drive around the city. Um <laughs> And so I was like, what if I take all those characters from that movie and I kind of spread them out around the city? And so that's how Borderland came to be. I just took all the characters. The the sadistic killer became less sadistic. And uh, and so we we went from there. So, Josh, tell us what the plot of Borderland is. It's uh what if collateral was filmed for thirty dollars? Mexploitation collateral. <laughs> but no, it's yeah, they they're essentially they're looking for lost money and they have to drive around the city and kill a lot of people along the way to do it. Um yeah, that's essentially and it's the dynamic it's the 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 stranger and then his driver is a woman whose whose husband recently died, so she has to pay off her debt to the cartel by driving him around. Yeah, it's about a girl named Sarah who uh, she she owes the cartel a debt because her her husband was beating her, and she took his life, and she didn't know that he worked for the cartels, and now they want him. They want him. They want her to pay off a debt, and that debt is to find some missing money. That the husband was responsible for and to do so they've brought in like a ringer essentially from out of town his name is the stranger he's nameless like clint eastwood because i'm a cinema genius and um uh, and they so it's just them going and trying to find this money from place to place and they have until they have from dusk till dawn robert rodriguez um to do it and yeah it's a very simple plot we just it was essentially like I thought about all the locations I could get, and then I wrote a scene at that <laughs> location. Um, yeah, you'll see a lot of houses. You do they do still go to the bar, but just for one scene. Yeah, they start at the bar now, and uh, yeah. So we got uh, one of the. There was a comedian that I liked from a podcast that I used to listen to, and his name was Joe Sinclitico or Joe King at the time. It was like his stage name, and. Uh, and so I knew that he like on the podcast, he talked about wanting to get into acting. And so I asked him one time, just like out of the blue on, I think Facebook, cause we were like Facebook friends. And I was like, Hey, how serious are you about acting? He said, I was, I'm very serious. So, uh, and I wanted him for another role in the empty space. He is in the empty space, but he has a different role. And so I had thought about him and then I was writing this script and I actually wanted to bring back Algernon from, the last ones and i had this girl that i knew uh that i wanted to be sarah and they both like dropped out at the last second so I, at the last second i asked joe i hadn't prepared to bring him on because i felt like he was a little bit more too prestige for me at the time but he luckily he agreed to it and it, it started a it started a good working relationship um and that's how we got joe who, which was awesome and then we also another Another the actress who plays Sarah Charlotte Vale Efron, she was uh, she's an artist and she was at, out of Nashville at the time and um, 
And again, I wanted her to be in the empty space. Uh, I mean, things didn't work out. It was years in between. But uh, we... Uh, Sometimes life happens while you're making other plans. You know what? You know? I always say that... Uh, that's, that's what I say. That's, I came the, up with the, that, actually. The thing I always say is that sometimes life gives you lemons. <laughs> <laughs> And so, like, so I reached out to her and I said, hey, I have this feature that I want to do. And then I told her, like, oh, would you like to audition for Borderland? Because our actress just dropped out. Uh, and she said yes. And then so we gave her the role kind of as an audition. A lot of this was auditions just to see if we could figure out. <laughs> it was also an audition for yourself to, to see if yeah. you could shoot a movie with, like, one crew member. I wanted to see if I could shoot a movie with one crew member or, like, with our limited resources. And then I wanted to see if I could, uh, if I could direct without like going, like having a mental breakdown, like on the last one. And so <laughs> it was a lot of like trial and error. So we really wanted it to be fun. That's why another reason why we dropped the torture porn aspect is that I wanted it to be like a fun script, kind of like a, I call it a mexploitation film. Like it's like that movie you find at a drive through at one in the morning and then you're like, what is this? This is, this is weird. Um, and so that's kind of what we went with it. Um, and so, like, yeah, once we had John, or Joe and Charlotte Vale, we just kind of went from there. And uh, and Josh, you had us put a scene in the film. Like, you said that there was no way I you were going to work on this. I definitely fought against it, this scene. If it didn't have it. So look for Josh's scene. I mean, he said, I, I have to play this role. You don't have to look for my scene. He actually wrote it. I didn't I didn't have any. He just, like, showed up on set and he said, oh, we're doing this scene. Um, it's for me. It's it's my life. Like I don't I even to... like dogs in real life before. I, I mean, that character doesn't scene. seem to like dogs. He seems to be hurting <laughs> them quite a bit. Um, but, yeah, we really wanted to just have fun. And so, like, you know... I just got everyone that I could and we brought them together and it really was it's, like it's, a fun set. It's ridiculous, but it's so like they they have such a good back and forth, like uh, her, the, the driver and the stranger as they go around and he's kind of like telling her the ropes and they're like, just kind of like bullshitting together. Like it, it really does kind of carry, like there's this momentum to the movie, even though it's just about driving around somewhat aimlessly. It's, 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 yeah, it's definitely yeah. it's definitely that movie where like there's not a lot of drive around movies. Like you have Collateral, obviously, like American Graffiti, but I really wanted to bring back that like oh yeah, it's just people shooting the shit and like arguing their life philosophies, like based on who like who's right and who's wrong, and and like in between they just happen to go kill someone every once in a while. And uh, uh, Mark comes and back. So like it was a lot of fun. A, and cowboy. there's there's a cameo <laughs> as Mark. Because in the in between shooting the last ones and shooting Borderland, Mark Osiguera, he decided to, or he's been working crew on a lot of Austin productions. I think he's moved now to like Las Vegas, but he's 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 on crew, and so I brought him aboard to be like my camera guy, like everything. It was just me and him, so we we really did everything, and like yeah, so it was fun not only to work with him again, but to like. Adam, give him a little cameo because that was fun. And also, we already had that, like, you know how, like, you get, well, I don't know if you know this, but when you work with an actor for so long, you kind of get that, like, shorthand speak. And we definitely had that, which made it way easier to work as as a team, especially when, it like, a lot of times it was just us. And it was 
Oh yeah, I was there. Shit. I was there for like I don't know a few days. I definitely wasn't there for the whole. Yeah. Yeah. Thankfully, because um, what a what a hectic nightmare of shooting that was. So, not great, but it turned out good. So can I can I say it wasn't worth it? You know. Yeah, I think like, and here's the thing with Borderland is that we made it on very, we made it for like literally no money. Um, and so it was just a case of anything that it did was good. Like if, if I like originally I was going to like release it cause it broken up into parts like a Quentin Tarantino film. And so originally I was just going to release it on YouTube in parts. And it was the same thing where we got into a few festivals, we played it. Um, it was funny. Like I got into a Latino festival and like the other film that played with us was like about this like guy who like, it was like an immigrant story about like a veteran who was like deported and shit. And then mine was about a lawyer who does so much cocaine that he dies. on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> And then like we did the Q and a and some guy, like they asked the other guy a question and he was like, well, you can't make a movie with just a crew of two people. And then, and then they asked me the same question. I was like, oh, yeah, we had a crew of two people. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, anything that we did was was going to be a success. And we've gone above and beyond because it was it was mainly just to see if I could if I wanted to direct films again and if I could direct films again in a way that was fun for everyone involved, like not just for me, but for I wanted to be able to work with people where, you know, even if things got stressful, I knew how to handle it. And so... Uh, it was like a tight-knit groove. Yeah. yeah, and so that's what we kind of did. And it kind of kind of reinvigorated my love for, for directing films. And so <laughs> since then, you know, it got distributed. And it's about to get a big distribution. And so I'm very excited. But, like, yeah, it's crazy how much we're able to... How far yeah, this was, little I tiny I was surprised because I was let... Like, I've only seen, like, two versions of this. It wasn't, like, the last ones where I, like sat with it for you know years in the same way so like i was kind of coming to or i've seen it before but it's also been like a long time so i was like damn this is actually good and i you know obviously i remember the gist of it but you forget a lot of like the little like jokes and stuff where i was like oh man this is like good like this is like a very solid film you wouldn't think that literally two people were you know behind the camera doing literally everything you know so yeah, I um yeah, I think I think it's a fun film. I think every time I watch it I always like enjoy. It's a pretty short film. It's it's just like a kooky like let's throw everything at the wall type of film <laughs> that I quite enjoyed. It kind of feels like, you know, like Once Upon a Time in America has the same I mean, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Once Upon a Time in America does not have that feel. <laughs> but Once Upon a Time in Hollywood has the same feel. Where it's like, yeah, there's stuff going on in the background, but it's more about these guys just shooting the shit. Um, and I think, like, yeah, especially the cast of characters. Like, we brought in Marlon, uh, or Dion Lewis, who's also in The Empty Space. He's also going to be in a few shorts we're doing. Um, we brought in Ellen Army, who, or Al Army, sorry, her name's Al Army, um, who was an actress that I met from Twitter, which is where you meet a lot of actors. And she came in and locked her scene out of the park. and oh, Such a good scene. Yeah. It's like my favorite scene in the movie. And then like just having people come in and out. Like every night, it was like, I feel like we got even closer because most of the time it was like me, Josh, Mark, 
uh, Charlotte Vale and Joe, and then like a, a bunch of other people who would be added. It was definitely the biggest crew I had, but like two other people would come in for one day and then they'd never come back. So I feel like that brought us even closer together where we were able to like really like um, really get close because we never changed as opposed to everyone else, you know? And also Pablo Medina, who plays Pablo King, or the Pablo zombie, he comes back and he has another really good role. He's like the head, <laughs> the head uh, like a enforcer for the cartels. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and he he played it well. He played it well. He doesn't. He's like imposing, and especially the way we shot him. And so it's just a lot of fun. It's like a, it's like you know, I'm trying to think of like what this movie would be. It also has like a a little bit of like a Guy Ritchie feel but you know kind of kind of that cadence of like everyone's a little ridiculous but you're just kind of hanging out and like along for the ride yeah like everyone is gonna make you laugh but also they might get shot in the next scene like, right it's like there's no a lot of violence but it's someone not yeah. gonna get killed yeah it's it's like a fun thing you know yeah it is a little weird now um and i wonder how uh because we even make a point of it in the film, even though it's not a serious film, we do make a point of saying that El Paso is like the safest city. And like now with Trump and a bunch of these Republicans, like trying to paint El Paso as like this hellhole. Um, oh, that like the, the political ramification. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I, 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 do, I do wonder about, this, especially as like, I am a Mexican director. So I do think about, and at the time I was like, Oh, you're this saying, is just you're a saying fun they're going to cancel you for this one. <laughs> I don't think they're going to cancel me. I just think that like <laughs> it's not for Republicans. Yeah, no, none of my art is ever for Republicans. Um, <laughs> so just keep that in mind. Um, but yeah, I think like I I do wonder how like someone from the Midwest would feel about it. But I also like see. But you also from, make. Like, I mean, because the point of it is to like. The, the biggest killer in the movie is a white guy and the movie like addresses that like up front, you know? So it's like, it's clearly like kind of a satirical thing. So I don't know. I think it would be fine. Yeah. Yeah. It's more like if you're, if you're someone who doesn't believe masks work, you're probably going to think that this is really how El Paso is, but it's not. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's, it's not for dimmies. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I think Borderland, and also for the music, we got William Murdoch, who edited the last ones. He also worked a little bit on editing the Empty Space, and a little bit of music on <laughs> the Empty Space. And this one, he's just doing the music. But we're about to talk to him this week, actually. Well, when you hear it, it'll be like three weeks away. It'll, yeah, but, these are uh, space the same. But yeah, but... it was. It's kind of fun to like work with these guys and then have them come back with. With Borderland, I went to go edit it in Austin, Texas, and because that's where William was. So he was kind of working on the music, and I was working on the editing, and we were just kind of hanging out, and and like it felt very, it felt very uh, avant garde. It felt very mm. cinema noir. Uh, so it was like it was like a lot of fun. I think like I have fond memories of Borderland because not only. Did it kind of feel like summer camp for movie making? But it also like it kind of showed me where I want to be as far as directing. And not that I have figured it all out, but at least I know what kind of director I want to be. I want to be the one where everyone feels like they can come up with an idea and come up to me. And you know, is you know, what, I what I do, what I do, like, a, oh, um, sorry, you're making a speech. No, go ahead. 
Um, you know, I was going to say, despite the fact that the movie is about all this violence, you know, in El Paso, it still somehow still like captures authentically like the sleepy feel of El Paso. You know what I mean? And I think that's kind of like interesting where it's like, oh, this like over the top violent story. But you still feel like the, the oh, giant city that feels like a small town kind of quietness to it while they're driving around. It's one of those things where being from El Paso, it's like, oh, yeah, that is, is, that's exactly how it was, you know? It was yeah, it so is you, cool. When you capture people's... the spirit of it. Whereas like last ones, it's like it could take place anywhere. But like Borderlands is so like authentically like about a specific place, like even though it's you know, a, a satirization of it. It's, it's it's nice. It's charming. Yeah, I think it's a good film. I think it's worth checking out. And also, it's not that long. But yeah, we're going to be released on August 10th, which would be uh, this Wednesday when this episode comes out. And, uh, and so look for it. Look for it online. Look for it in stores. Check it out. Uh, I think it's worth a watch. If you watch it, let me know. And I will answer any questions you have about why did I do that? Um, how did I, how much did I waste your time? And <laughs> also tell me if you were on a desert island, what you would do with the disc. Because apparently that's what people like to tell me. Uh, but yeah, I think it was a lot of fun. I think they're both good movies. I think if anything, they're both worth watching, especially if you have any interest in what I'm doing. Because you definitely see progression, especially if you see these and then you see the empty space. There's a lot of. Uh, progress there's a lot of building it to being that person that you want to be so i think check them out i think come back to us tell us what you think yeah so it's again it's the it's the last ones and it's borderland and you'll find them by bayview entertainment and we are uh, excited for you guys to see them we hope you enjoyed this episode this is our first episode back by the way so get ready for a whole summer of guests. Um, but the next episode will not be a cop-out where I don't have any guests. We actually have a bunch of cool people coming up with a bunch of interesting movies that we we wouldn't have picked if it hadn't been for these guests. So I'm very excited for you guys to get started. And in October, we're going back to Texas. So get ready for that too because we've had to watch all these movies so you guys can at least have to watch the reviews of them. <laughs> That's a good way of putting it. Yeah. Josh, uh, what do you think? Anything, any last words? Um, no. Cool. Not really. Check them out. Last Ones and Borderlands. If you're watching this on YouTube, you've seen the trailers, but I'll also link to them. If you're watching this on your podcast, you're not watching it, you're listening to it. And if you're doing that, then, you know, go find them. I don't know. I don't know what podcast thing you're listening on. Uh, but yeah. We'll see you guys on the flip side.